uh, that we sang or you spoke or heard this morning resonated with you. I'm not sure what the, uh, the protocol in this, I mean, I've just heard all the safety and health protocols. I'm not sure what the protocol is for interactions uh, with the person who's speaking on a Sunday morning, but um, my protocol is this. Um, I, I like to interact with people. So could you just speak a word or a phrase that as you um, heard it or sang it this morning, it was just good for you to be reminded of the truth of who God is, the truth of who we are. Yeah, Judith. Yeah. I'm glad that's in your mind and heart, Judith. It's good. Yeah, Bruce. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciated that encouragement this morning, Rick. Um, so many of us, we, we can quote a scripture in which Jesus says, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. And it sort of has this abstract, vague sense. I think the reality of the day and the reality of the moment says, what does loving our neighbor look like today? Actually, loving our neighbor does make mean uh, inconveniencing ourselves sometimes. And, um, and it's grounded and rooted in practicality. Yeah, thanks for that, Bruce. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's good. Thank you. Yeah. 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 It's good. I love the lyric, uh, you bring chaos or you bring order out of chaos. How, how many of us are experiencing a little bit of chaos this week? I am. I mean, I was going to just bring a greeting and say hello from the Evangelical Covenant Church of Canada. And then Jeff had a sniffle, and he said, you can preach a sermonette, which I have no idea what a sermonette is. Is that like, is that sermon-ish? Uh, is that like, is the et, does that mean I get less time or more time? I don't know what Jeff usually gets. Um, a sermonette. Um, could you guys all, can we just agree? And, I, and can we just agree it's okay to laugh as well? Uh, it's deeply humanizing and good. Um, could you guys do me a favor whenever Jeff preaches next? Um, just go up to him after the service. Sermonette, Pastor. Great sermonette. Like, please, please do that for me. I'd appreciate that. Anyone else? A phrase or a word? Yeah. Light of the world. Can we be reminded as we gather this morning, friends, that the light shines in the dark? and the darkness does not overcome it. Yeah, brother, what, what's on your heart? Worthy. Yeah. Yeah. Do we have a sense of priority and purpose and a sense of order about what is actually priority? The truth that you and I are beloved children of God, that there's nothing, nothing. The book of Romans, Paul reminds us, that there's no prince or principality, there's no virus or pandemic that can separate us from the love of God, right? Yeah, thank you. 
I, this psalm, as, as we are worshiping this psalm, can I just read this over us? This is Psalm 91. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust Him. For He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with His feathers. He will shelter you with His wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. How many of you need to hear that this morning? The faithful promise of God will be our protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, and don't read too much into those stats, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how, wick, how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make high your shelter, no evil will conquer you, no plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You know, for any of you, this is just an editorial side comment. For any of you who want to practice this protocol of like shaking hands with your feet, just be careful. You might slip, fall, and then you're going to have a massive head wound. And so be careful of that. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. I need to be reminded on a day like this, in a week like this, what is truly going on. My heart, my mind, my hands, my life needs to be reoriented around the truth of who God is and how he's at work in the world. I need to be inspired and encouraged with faith. And, and my really simplistic definition of faith is believing that God is who he says he is and that he'll do what he says he will do. I need to be reminded of that. I need to live in that. In, in my sermonette, I'd like to riff a little bit on John's word and the prologue of his gospel to remind us that the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. The eternal stepped into time and place, even as we sang, the light of the world stepped into darkness. Or as Eugene Peterson in the message says, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. I love that. Not distant. Not far away, not social distance. God, the living one, actually became flesh and blood and moved in with us. And I need to be reminded of that and look for ways not only that I live out that sense of, live out that belief, 
but that I practice it and embody it as well. And this is a gift. I, I do want to bring greetings uh, in a week like this. I think it's good to be reminded that we're not alone. And so uh, from brothers and sisters from churches across Canada, greetings. Um, the Covenant Church, uh, over 30 churches across Canada from Montreal to Vancouver. Uh, we're growing. It's an exciting day for us. Um, and so greetings for them. I also want to bring greetings. Um, I'd be remiss. Greetings from the Peterson family. Uh, this is my tribe. Uh, my wife, Becca, and our four kids. Ella's our oldest. She's 11. Soren is nine. Jonas is seven. And Greta, and this is a typical look for her, is five. And um, I, I was joking a little bit, um, mildly tempted on a morning like this in the Kootenays um, to call up this beautiful family and say, yeah, you're not going to believe this. Um, the Kootenay Health Region has said that Nelson is in lockdown. I actually can't leave. I'll see you in a couple weeks. Um, <laughs> there's a little bit of energy and craziness in this household, um, but it's good and it's a delight. And I'd love to tell you about my kids. Um, but I'd love to tell you about our church that we're a part of. Uh, these are uh, expressions of life. These are, in some ways, our kids. Um, from west to east, uh, City Collective is one of our newest church plants in Langley, B.C. Uh, Jason Charles uh, and a group of uh, about a third of young adults, many of them um, students at Trinity Western. Uh, and that, that church is launched there. Uh, in Alberta, right next door. Um, Inglewood Commons is about three years old, um, one of the parish plants, uh, sort of in some ways similar to the, the incredible uh, good ministry model that's here in Nelson. Uh, Inglewood is one of the projects of uh, Kensington Commons, and so they're, uh, you know, two churches, uh, one church with two sites. Cody and Brianna Matchett are... Um, uh, pastors that are in the journey of church planning. I'm not sure what happened with my uh, text here, but we have a South Sudanese church that is uh, gathered now in Calgary as well. Um, I had the opportunity, I'd love to show you, or if you go on our Facebook um, page, you can see a picture of me. I was designated a honorary South Sudanese um, citizen a couple weeks ago. Um, it looked like a toga to me, um, but they gave me some cool beads. Um, but yeah, really, really fun to see how that uh, group of uh, new Canadians is continuing to worship God and immerse themselves in our culture, but continue to worship uh, in their language. Um, Stonehouse Covenant Church, um, no offense to Rick, but, uh, you know, right in the, the heartbed of Mennonite land because Mennonites need Jesus too. Um, that is completely a joke and I all love. Um, but excited what's happening at uh, Stonehouse uh, in Ontario because, as we really well know in, in the West, Ontarians really need Jesus as well. Um, we have another South Sudanese uh, church plant in London, Ontario, and then a lot of activity in the greater Toronto area where we have uh, Abundant Life, which is predominantly an um, Indo-Canadian, uh, mainly first-generation uh, immigrants from India, uh, Encounter Covenant Church, which is predominantly uh, Asian First Canadians uh, from Korea. And then Zoe, which is a group of young adults who moved from the States to the University of Toronto. And they're doing a really uh, significant work 
on the campus of University of Toronto. So that's a lot of things that are going on here in Canada that we're really excited about and that are emerging. Um, the next slide is we're not limited to activity in Canada. Um, God is at work around the world, uh, from the Congo to Alaska to Korea to, you can sort of see it right under globally, uh, Nelson's own Colleen Nanachek, uh, who I talked to and who is um, doing really well, and we're excited about that. Our global partnerships in uh, Haiti and Ecuador, Ecuador um, Kernels of Hope, which continues to generate uh, around $75,000 that are then matched four to one um, by the Canadian government um, to uh, provide food uh, around the world, our efforts in the Middle East and North Africa, and in Europe. And so um, I was reminded even this weekend as I was out at Belfort uh, with Rick and Judy Dickieson, I had not heard, um, that Belfort is, is partnering in planting a church in Bolivia. And I just, I had this moment, um, even in advance of our annual meeting, which will be coming up in a little bit, um, hopefully. Um, I, I would love to map the global impact of covenant churches across Canada and see the ways that our efforts together are actually making a difference for the kingdom around the world. I don't know about you, but I, I get excited by that. I'm encouraged by that, by the ways not only that we're involved and on mission here in Canada, um, but around the world. And I'm so thankful that uh, in the spirit of the New Testament letters, that we can give thanks for one another and our shared work together. And so I want to give witness to that. The last thing uh, before I truly launch into a mini sermonette, um, I, I was out here because of a, an emerging opportunity um, that I've been watching for about 12 months uh, connected to Dutch Harbor's camp. And uh, yesterday, Rick Dickieson, Mark, and myself met with the Kootenai Presbytery, um, who have come to a point at the end of February, they actually discerned they would like to move to a point of sale of that camp. Uh, and the covenant, in a broad sense, um, are the one community that they're talking to. And so we just sat down um, to talk with them. Uh, as Rick mentioned, I'd love to share a little bit, some information um, about what's emerging, trying to put some facts in people's hands so that we can discern whether or not God is in this. And this is something we want to pursue. If you're more of a digital person, I have a short link uh, right there that actually is a link to a hard copy of the prospectus slash um, sort of study that we've been doing. I want to come back to this verse. That the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And in a moment, uh, and again, I think the wisdom, the weightiness, the gravity of this day does demand that in our expressions of loving the other, in our expressions of being good neighbors, that we are wise. And so all of these practices generally known as social distancing, that's okay. But friends, can we not forget that we are called to be personal. We are called to be with others. That the greatest and highest call of a follower of Jesus as a disciple is to love. And can we in some way uh, take this verse, this call, even in this week in the most practical ways and live like Jesus who actually moved into the neighborhood 
and was with others. I wonder in this sermonette, could I offer you five ways in which when I think about the Gospels, when I think about the ways that this, this prologue gets lived out, when I think about the ways Jesus actually lived and engaged with others, there are five things, obviously more, but there are five things that I'd love to share with you this morning. Would that be okay? The first is this. Jesus, in his moved into the neighborness, he's hospitable. I love the hospitality of Jesus. Can, can you use your own scripture imagination? What, what are those moments in the Gospels in which Jesus actually practices hospitality? Anyone? Popcorn. Feeding the 5,000. Washing feet. Come on, wake up. Yeah. Yeah. Is, how, how awesome, I mean, no, no statement around alcohol here. How awesome is it that Jesus, in his first act of moving into the neighborhood, converts massive amounts of water into massive amounts of wine so that people could have a really great party. I think it's significant. I think it's good. Equally significant for me is the first appearance in John's gospel, post-resurrection, where Jesus on the road to Emmaus sits down with two of his followers who he's traveled with. And when is it? When is the moment that they actually realize who they are with? It's the breaking of bread. That there is something profound that transcends culture. We sit down with people when we practice hospitality, when we live in communities that actually eat and talk and are present to one another. God is present there. It's powerful. I see it in the Gospels. The second thing that I'd love to suggest, and it's very significant in this moment, and this is far too fancy, it's far too strange a word, and yet it's the best word I got it's not mine. It's actually from James Houston, a professor at Regent College. Jesus particularizes people. Jesus looks people in the eye and he says, Deborah, I see you. Bruce, I see you. Justin, I see you. Can you think about this in the Gospels? It's so encouraging to me. That Jesus calls us by name. Think about this. What, what are some of your favorites? Actually, sorry. I was going to give you a fist bump. Boom. Zacchaeus, come down. I'm calling you out. I see you. I'm coming to your house today. Other examples. Lazarus, come out. It's a powerful example. He calls him by name. Maybe more generally, who touched me? And then he turns his attention to the woman in the crowd. He actually recognizes her. How, how many of us in a week full of chaos just simply need to be recognized 
I'm scouring social media. I'm looking at responses to the COVID crisis. And one of the most powerful and most consistent and beautiful expressions that I see across the church are attempts to say, we see vulnerable people and we come alongside them. I'm so encouraged, and might God even use this hiccup, this goofy moment, to raise our temperature in seeing those people that are on the margins and responding in acts of care. Churches that are mobilizing to acknowledge people that are are self-isolating and just being quick to say, what can we do to help you? Friends, I think this is very Jesus-like work. It's beautiful. Jesus is hospitable. He's particularizing. I I love this. Jesus in his becoming flesh and moving into the neighborhood-ness, he's deepening with others. And and I see that in, in two ways. Jesus asks powerful questions and he tells great stories. Have you thought about the the powerful, deepening questions that Jesus asked in the Gospels? You notice that? I'm curious if you have, what, what are some of your favorites? Do you love me? He doesn't preach a sermon at him. He doesn't proclaim to him. He actually invites response. It's a deepening interaction with Peter. He didn't proclaim, I forgive you. I exhort you to become and be more loyal. Jesus doesn't tell Peter to pick himself up by the scruff of his neck to walk out of shame and darkness and and get over what he did. He says, do you love me? Love it. Other questions that that deepen in Jesus' way with others. Yeah. Who amongst you? I mean, for the parents in the house, like, think about how quick we are to say, don't accuse your brother or sister of doing that. We so quickly move to telling, to fixing. Jesus actually empowers people to do the learning and growing and journeying themselves it's incredible hey maybe you should think about what's going on in your own spiritual house before you pull that two by four out of your backpack and whack someone over the head can i share Uh, blind man bart what maybe you need to hear this question this morning from jesus through me What do you want me to do for you today? Faithful and Nelson, who gather in a crazy week. What do you need Jesus to do for you today? Do we trust that in naming that and being honest about that, that the Almighty, who who we even read in the Psalms, is faithful and true 
to meet you in that deep place of need. I believe so. Jesus is hospitable. He's particularizing. He's deepening. This one, I'm telling you, this one's really hard for me. I keep trying to live into it. I'm pressing into it. Jesus is patient. Oh, it's hard. It's really hard. As a parent with four kids, patience is hard. As an Enneagram type three, patience is hard. Just like, go, go, go. Move, move, move. Focus, focus, focus. Drive, drive, drive. What? Social, political, cultural hiccup, a virus? Is, so is this like, is this COVID-19 thing? Is that like a, like a virus snowstorm for a weekend? Or is this like the front end of winter? Like we're going to have some weeks of this. And we're going to have to be patient with one another in this. Can you think about those moments across the pages of the Gospels in which Jesus demonstrates his patient, faithful, has said love. I mean, in some ways, uh, Jesus' journey with Peter is a great example of patience. Peter and his compulsiveness, Peter and his up and downness, Peter and his all over the mapness. Jesus patiently, consistently, faithfully walks, journeys with Peter. Maybe, friends, this morning, you need to be reminded that Jesus patiently and faithfully walks with you, and he walks with me. The last thing, Jesus is prayerful. And by prayerful, not by rote, not um, read your Bible and pray, 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 which was one of the mantras that was given to me as a young kid. And it's a good one. It's not formulaic. It's not rote. But Jesus is prayerful in his relationship with the Father. Jesus is clear across the pages of the gospel that in an interactive relationship with the living God, that we actually live into our full and true identity. I mean, the back half of John uh, 1.14 is this. We have seen the glory of the Father. We have seen the glory of the one of and the one and only full of grace and, anyone? Truth. That, that Jesus fully embodies the grace and mercy and love of the Father, and yet also the truth. How about that for a word in this crazy week? Oh, that we might be people who embody both grace and a spirit of patience and forgiveness and bearing with the craziness, but also truth and reality so that we don't cave to fear or racism or fear of the other. So that, that the grace of social distancing doesn't actually get weaponized into isolation and panic and fear. And I don't know about you, but I actually, 
I need to talk to God about that and invite him to help me do that. Because left to my own demise, I won't. Just saying. Jesus' way with others is hospitable. It is particularizing. It is deepening. It is patient. And it's prayerful. Jesus' disciples come to him. Teach us how to pray. It's one of the only things they actually ask him to teach them. Teach us how to pray. And he says, our Father, the Creator who is in the heavens, your great name be praised. How many of us need to hear that and take that in today? We sang it. What does it look like for us to live that? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Friend, I, I think we need a little bit of heaven to invade our earth today. I think we need the stuff of healing and restoration and renewal and rest. The kinds of things that point to our our heavenly truth and reality and the stuff of the kingdom of God. We need that here and now in this day. We need order to emerge where chaos is. That's the stuff of heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Is it possible that in this moment, one of the things we pay attention to is how ridiculously self-sufficient and self-centered we really are. Well, I can just do this all on my own. Until you're in a global pandemic and you realize, actually, there's lots of things that I can't do on my own. And that I'm actually dependent on from other people. Maybe even toilet paper. <laughs> Maybe, can I joke about that? <laughs> Give us this, daily, this, this day our daily bread and please stock the stores with toilet paper. Provide, right? That's at the heart of it. God, provide. We need your help. Forgive us. Help us to forgive. Deliver us from the time of trial and temptation. Because why? Because yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory today tomorrow, forever. And there ain't nothing. There ain't no COVID-19, 20, 21, 22, or 23 that can separate us, his creation, from God's heart for renewal, restoration, and redemption. And you can take that to the bank and you go, go to sleep on that. And you can eat with friends over that. That God is present and faithful and he'll see us through. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. God, in your goodness, may these um, musings, words, thoughts, truths from your word penetrate into the reality of our hearts and our minds and our lives. That in a day and a season that is marked with turbulence and change and unknown, might we rest 
in the shadow of you because you are the Almighty One. Jesus, might we be reminded this very day that you sit in the command center of the cosmos and you're present and you're attentive and you know us and you know our need and you promise to provide and be present to us. That, that these words spoken of you moving into the neighborhood and being present, they're not just a, a far off thought, they're reality here and now that by your spirit you attend to us. And so, Jesus, be present. And spirit, would you grant us hope? the kind of hope that we sing in the timeless hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, that we would have bright hope for today and that we would have strength for today and we would have bright hope for tomorrow, that your spirit might accomplish that here and now. And for this community, God, protect them, keep them, help them to be wise, to be good neighbors, to be loving for our community of churches across Canada, for all of your creation, Lord. Be present, be faithful. We know you are because your love never quits. May we find our hope and rest in that. In your name, amen. Thanks, Glenn. You're welcome to stand and sing with us a final song. Praise His name, I'm 